When Russ asked me to speak on the attributes of God, I said, you know what's been really gripping my heart in recent months is the significance of the resurrection and what it should mean in our lives each day that we serve a risen Savior. And when you begin to consider, and then as I studied and went through many of the gospel passages about what it would have been like to have been there on that day that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, how about being one of those ones that had gone up to the tomb and found it empty? Or, or how about being one walking on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas and to experience one that you had just seen die on the cross, to see him, then within just hours to see him walk and talk and then with the disciples to see him eat and appear in a room and not having gone through a closed door and all of that how would it affect our lives today how would we be different if we had experienced the risen Savior how would we be different if we had been among those who stood and watched as he ascended to heaven after manifesting himself as in his glorified body for 40 days. How would we have been if we'd been there when the angels said, why are you looking up in the air? That same Jesus is going to come again. As if they were saying in Acts chapter, chapter 1, as if the angels were saying, why are you looking up in the air? Why don't you get to work? And get to work they did. And what great, what great response they had with 3,000 being added to the faith in, in one day in that particular beginning of the church. And all of that, and that's what my heart has really been burdened by. But I, uh, uh, being on this, we were on a cruise last week, Dr. MacArthur and I, and with his family, and we were, we were there to, to share what God is doing at the Master's College and at Word of Grace with about 400 people from all over the United States. And it was very much a working cruise for us and very much kind of a learning and vacation cruise for those who, who had come. But in the process of that, I had opportunity to share with them what God is doing at the Master's College. And I don't very often have to stop and, and review what, what God has been doing here. And at the end of that time of about an hour of sharing the faithfulness of God at the Master's College, there was such an overwhelming response from the people to hear what God is doing here. They were so greatly encouraged. And since that day, in my, I've been continuing to study to speak on the resurrection and the significance of that for our lives. And are we real, really living as if we serve a risen Savior and what that should mean? But at the same time, I'd been torn because I was saying things to those people down in the Caribbean on a ship and many from, from the East Coast and around the country about what God has been doing here that the majority of you don't even know. And somehow that didn't seem fair. And so last night about 10.30, I turned to my wife and I said, well, I hope wouldn't, Russ wouldn't mind if I changed the topic for today. Because there's so many things that God has been doing here that only a few of us in leadership, because of the pace of things, have been able to, to stay informed on. And I, I tried to do this a little bit last year, for those of you who would recall, and I only got through a few months. And so I'm, I'm not going to go into the detail this morning that I tried to do last year. But I want you to know, I want you to know that you're in the midst of a great movement of the Spirit of God. In all of history, there have only been a few times when God has done something like he's doing here on this campus. And he's drawn us together. He's drawn us together. Faculty and staff and students. God, the Spirit of God, the God of the universe has drawn us together as a family. As a family to together, to together help you to prepare to serve him in strategic ways all over this globe. It's pretty exciting when you sit right down and think about it. And so as we meet this morning, 
I want to just talk about some of the spectacular things that have been happening in our midst, about how he's been leading and how he's been energizing each one of us as we seek to serve him with obedience. He's brought us together to prepare for leadership in his church. He's brought us together to prepare for leadership in the families of tomorrow. He's brought us together to prepare to penetrate the secular spheres of influence around the world with 65% of the world unreachable by a missionary today and by the year 2000, 85% of the world unreachable by a missionary. And so he's brought us together to prepare you, young men and women, to, to have skills that would penetrate those areas of Muslim and communist countries. He's brought us together to raise up pastors who would faithfully proclaim his word to our generation. He's brought us together to raise up missionaries from your midst to go to the countries and the areas where a missionary can still gain access. And we're committed together to a standard of excellence in all that we do that we might bring glory to his marvelous name. In this community right here, you know, that's why we try to have this campus looking so wonderful, looking so beautiful. Our goal is to present a standard of excellence. We're going to fail and we're going to fail in leadership. We'll fail day after day because we're just frail. We're just frail humans, but we want to try to be faithful. And our God has been honoring our effort to be faithful in these days. But we want an excellence, a standard of excellence to permeate this community. We want these people to know that we're different. If they observe the physical plant, if they observe the flowers, and they observe the buildings are in good repair, they observe that we care about that, then they begin to pay attention to our character collectively, as they do individually. And then when they pay attention to who we are, they begin to find out that we're different. And then we have an opportunity to share the message of Christ, even with our neighbors right in these streets and right in this community, and with the, as you go into stores and as you take jobs in this community, to be able to share and to advance the kingdom of God, even while you're here at the Master's College. For some, some of you may not know that this, this college is 60 years old. For the first 58 years, it was known as Los Angeles Baptist College. And faithful men and women went before us in leadership, and God has honored their faithfulness over those years. They never compromised. If there wasn't money, they, they never brought someone on the board who could give large amounts of money, but maybe had a shaky testimony. They never did that. Many schools have done that, and they've paid the price dearly for it. There's never been a compromise in the history of this school. And for 25 years before Dr. MacArthur became president, Dr. John Duncan who many of you know and love, and others I hope you all get to know. If you get to know him, you'll get to love him. He now serves as Chancellor and Director of Alumni Relations, a faithful man of God whom God used tremendously in those 25 years. But, but the school was tied to a small denomination that had very limited ability to attract students from across the country, had, li had decreasing ability to attract those who would be able to give to the financial needs of the school. So in May of 1985, when Dr. John MacArthur became president, and the name was changed to the Master's College so it could have that broader draw. And the name was chosen to be able to, to stress our commitment that we're here, that this college belongs to the Lord Jesus, to our Master. And when that occurred, we had 285 students and 43 acres. And we had about a $2 million budget. And we had no money in the bank. And in the first couple of weeks when, when we were here in May of 85, and no money would come then until September when the students would come back. And we had people to pay and bills to pay over the summer, and there was no money for that. So I had to go out and try to borrow money. And we were able, a bank loaned us $250,000, and I said, I'll pay it back in six months. And I had no idea where it would come from in six months. But I knew that if we didn't have it for the next month, we wouldn't be here six months.
And so we borrowed that money, and Dr. MacArthur began as president of the Master's College. We began Monday morning prayer meetings almost immediately, and we had one just this morning as our management team every Monday morning since the Master's College in May of 85. Our management team has gathered and has gathered on their knees, and sometimes for up to two hours we pray and we cry out our utter dependence upon God. We can do nothing except in His power. None of us can, but all too often we fail to admit that. We fail to, to sense and we fail to live within our dependency upon Him. God has helped us to be faithful to do that. With that kind of financial situation in that first summer, we took a step of faith because so many applications were coming. We increased our $2 million budget to $3 million. When we didn't know where we were going to get $2 million, we raised it to $3 million. What you could say is maybe that's foolishness, but we really felt that the Spirit of God was leading us to do that. And the Lord began to send some wonderful people. There's a man named Hal Kempers. Many of you know who he is. He's the man that has has been generous to provide flowers and shrubs and a key reason that, that the campus looks so beautiful. He was driving on the freeway. He was driving on the freeway. I think it was in June of 85, and he heard Dr. MacArthur on the radio, and Dr. MacArthur mentioned something about the Master's College and how we needed help and who could come and help. Could you, could you do something? Could you come and help us? We needed every kind of help that we could get. And he drove right up here, and he came on campus, and, and, he, and he said, I want to give you some flowers to beautify the campus. And he started bringing us flowers and plants, and he wouldn't even tell us his name for a couple of months. And he wouldn't take a receipt because I, he said, I don't need it as an income tax deduction. I want to keep my motive pure. And finally, he would let us know his name, and over the time now, and nearly two and a half years, flowers and flowers and roses and all of that, largely the contribution of Mr. Hal Kemper. Or a man came, we needed a carpenter desperately, and a man that I had known in the church that I had come from in Akron, Ohio, a man who had liquidated his businesses a few years before. And all he wanted to do the rest of his life was give his time, and he and his wife give their time, not be paid in service to the Lord. And they came over and they looked, and Dr. MacArthur and Dr. Duncan and I were all trying to share one office, and we were and woeful. We, uh, the upstairs of Rutherford at that point had been abandoned as the former cafeteria, uh, and we needed that space to be converted to office space, but we had no money. And so Jim Groh came over, and he walked around the campus with me, and uh, and... And as we stood in front of Rutherford, as, as we were getting to leave, he looked at me and he said, uh, where would I park my camper? He wanted to come. The Spirit of God had led him to come and to help and to build. And he's been a key factor. He's a master craftsman, can build anything. He's been giving his time, and his wife, Marge, who works for Pete, Pete Reese as well, have been giving their time for two and a half years here at the Master's College. There are these three houses back here. We call them the Triad. And in the first month that we were here... They became available on one piece of property through an estate proceeding, 1.1 acres and three houses, and we had no money. But we sent a man to bid anyway because we felt we needed that. And we were able to come up with 12000 for a down payment and a bid, and we got it for 127000 We had no idea where we were going to get the other 115000 No idea whatsoever. But we, we said to those who were selling, to the attorney for those who were selling, we said, look, would you give us till the fall 90-day escrow? At least then we'd have some student income coming. We don't know where we'd get the money. And they said yes. And then we said, well, would you let us... Would you let us renovate them? They were in terrible condition, but we needed to use them. Would you let us remodel the houses even before we own them? And they said, well, I've never heard of that before. But since you're who you are, we'll let you, let you do that. And then we said, we really are reluctant to ask this, but would you let us then put students in before we own them too? The guy looked at us like we're crazy, but he said, yes, God had grabbed their hearts. 
And so there we, we remodeled three houses and, and we put students in. And then we could go to the bank in October and say, we have these three houses. They're income producing property and they're in excellent shape. We'd like to get a mortgage. And we got the money and paid off the houses that way. I bet that's never happened in history. No. That's just one of the things that the Lord did. That same summer, Pete Reese accepted the, the responsibility of directing our plant operations and development for all the buildings and the future for that and all of that. And he's done a fantastic job ever since, as you've seen that. Towards the end of July, in that first summer as the Master's College, we were out of money again. And we had a, a meeting in my backyard. And I want to tell you the kind of people... The kind of people, if you haven't met, some of you who are new, if you haven't spent much time yet with faculty and staff, it's the kind of people that you're here with. We had been having prayer meetings, all faculty and staff together, every couple of weeks that first summer. We'd come in together at the college and we'd, have, we'd each bring in our potluck uh, food and we'd eat together up in the dining center and then we'd get on our knees and pray. Well, this one particular night, um, I was at home and... And the phone rang right as we were getting ready to leave. I mean, I was saying to my wife, we're going to be late. Get that casserole. Come on, we've got to go. And the phone rang. And it was Dr. John MacArthur, and he was out of town. And he kept me on the phone. Have you ever had anybody just keep... When we, did, we, we, we talked about all the things we had to talk about, but then we sort of kept going on. You ever done that? Ever had somebody do that? And, and so, and finally I just said, John, I'm sorry, i got to go. Bang. And I hung up. And as I grabbed my wife when we grabbed the casserole, and we went to the front door and stepped out the front door, and there were all these people with picket signs in front of my house. And they, had, they were marching up and down and, and, and on the sidewalk, and, and what they had done was they had brought this potluck prayer meeting to our house to be a surprise housewarming. And they'd had Dr. MacArthur wired in from somewhere across the country. His job was to keep me on the phone until they could get there. And the picket signs they had were things like, we love you and your neighbors are, are, are lucky and stuff like that. They didn't know me very well yet, you know. <laughs> and, but it was, it was like stepping into the twilight zone. Imagine stepping out the front door of your house and you're hurrying somewhere where you're afraid you're going to be late and there are all these people there picketing. At first I didn't know who they were. It was like, let's go back in and try this over again, you know. <laughs> See if they're still there. But they were so organized, they came in carrying tables and food and just came in and on our patio in the back set all that up. And, um, and then in response to that, about two hours later, after we had had wonderful fellowship, I had to get up and sort of give them a, some prayer requests. And the first prayer request, imagine the people who treated you. The first thing I had to say was, well, it's Thursday and next Tuesday we were going to have payday, but there's no money. And I had to say that. And in my backyard, we got in little groups, sitting in circles, and we got down and we prayed. And we asked the Lord to provide. And that same evening, that Grace Community Church, as the elder who the Spirit of God moved to do this, tells it. He had no intention. He had been out and he had been here to observe. He knew we had some needs. We had determined we weren't going to ask anybody for money, certainly not Grace Community Church. But this man, as he tells it, as he sat in that elder's meeting, to call in the building, and so they had some money they couldn't use for a while anyway. And so the elders at Grace Community readily voted without any discussion, led by the Spirit of God, to advance us whatever money we needed. We needed 125000 The next morning, now that's, that's while we were yet praying, like in Daniel, okay? We were praying. We were right there in our backyard praying while God was answering that prayer. We had no idea. The next morning, Dr. John MacArthur couldn't wait to get out of here. Came running in the office and he said, uh, how much do you need? 
I said about 125,000. Big grin from here. There says, "You have it. You got it." And then we put out a memo immediately that morning to all those that had prayed the night before and said, "Let us tell you how God has answered our prayers. We'll have payroll. We'll have payday next Tuesday, and, and our expenses will be met through the month of August." And then we needed a couple of cars. You know, at, at admissions department, those fellows do a lot of driving, and we needed a couple of cars. And we heard there was a dealer in a particular city that, that, that was a Christian and loved God, and so we decided to see how God would lead. And so a couple of us, John, Dr. Stead and I and Don Gilmore, jumped on an airplane, and, and I think Don was with us, and we flew to this city, and we got off the plane, went to the dealer, and, and began looking at cars, and we picked out a couple of cars. And we went in and we sat down with the owner of the dealership and he said, well, how are you going to pay for this? We said, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. He said, well, how much do you have to put down? We said, nothing. <laughs> and this dealer, God had already prepared him. He looked at us and he said, well, because I'm the dealer and I own the dealer dealership, I can authorize 100% financing with the automobile company. He said, and, uh, and God has really encouraged me, uh, you'll have to make those payments, but every month I'll send you more than enough to make the payments. And so he gave us two cars. That's the kind of a God we've seen work here. In the fall of 85, we, we had grown from 285 to 440 students. We had nearly, Russ, was it nearly 30, 30 students that made decisions for Christ that first semester? Right? Wasn't it? We had, we had nearly 30, maybe it was 30 students who, who, had, who had convinced our admissions department that, that they were Christians in the application process. But being under the, the powerful proclamation of the Word of God here in our chapel services and in the lives of the students and faculty, after their first few weeks here, just about 30 students who thought they were Christians found they weren't and came to Christ. I mean, it was like having a revival right here on our campus. And under the leadership of Russ Moore, we had determined that we wanted this to be a chapel-powered campus, that we wanted people to always look forward to chapel, and we'd do whatever we could to enable that to occur. And then the student life policy, we, the biblical student life policy that takes Matthew 18 and applies that. When we, we felt in our hearts that that's how God would have us do it, but we didn't know a school that had done it, and everybody said it wouldn't work, and we said it has to work. It's God's way to do that, and how we have seen God honor that as you would be faithful students, faculty, and staff, and living that out. And then we had an inaugural event with, for the inauguration of Dr. John MacArthur, and that attracted a lot of people who caught the vision who then wanted to begin to give to us financially. It was a major factor for us. In October of that first year already, we were out of money again. Already out of money. And we were going to have payday, but no money for payday next week. And Dr. John MacArthur came to me one day and he said, why are you so, why are you so down in the mouth or something like that? And I said, well, I don't know where we're going to get the money and we have to pay the people next week and there's no money. And so we prayed and we prayed down at Grace Community about it. And later that same day, he called me and he said, you won't believe what happened. A guy walked in my office and wrote us a check for $75,000, a guy I've never even talked to before. It's just what we needed. And then it happened again in November. Happened again in November. We didn't have any money for payday and we're praying the same way. And it's an amazing thing. I, I keep seeing God work, but I'd still like not have any faith, you know? That happens to me too. And so another fellow came in, a fellow that we hadn't known before, but another fellow came in and wrote us a check for 75000 right in the nick of time. And then we wanted to give fruit baskets to this whole community. We had decided that we wanted to really befriend the community of the Thanksgiving. We said, uh, I had told our management team, I want to give every household here in this canyon a basket of fruit that says, Happy Thanksgiving, and, and we're glad you're our neighbors, and we love you, the Master's College. 
And so I thought there were about 50 houses here. When you guess there are about 50 houses in this canyon? Well, I sent Steve Dixon out to count those houses and guess how many there were? 342. I didn't have the money for 50 baskets, much less, you know, they cost about 20, 25 a, a basket, you know, no money for that. So I went to Dr. MacArthur. I said, John, what are we going to do? I told the management team we're going to do this. We're committed to it. He said, don't worry. I'll make a couple of phone calls. He made a couple of phone calls and some dentists and some fruit growers out of town up in the San Joaquin Valley decided they'd just send us truckloads of fruit and give it to us. And that kind of fruit that they put the little stickers on, you know, that we don't buy because it's too expensive, that's the kind they gave us. And so our faculty came in on, on a Monday evening, and the faculty packed the fruit, and then the Thanksgiving week, and on Tuesday, then the students took the baskets, and the people couldn't believe it. They were saying, hey, what's the catch, you know, or what are you selling, or how much do I owe you, or they expected us to, they couldn't believe that we would come and just give them a fruit basket and say, we love you, and we're glad to be your neighbors. Well, that's some of what was happening that first year. Then we had a thank you dinner, had a thank you dinner in December. The people who had invested in the college, all we wanted to do was thank them. We weren't asking for any money. We were just saying, thank you. And some students gave testimonies. And the testimonies of what God was doing in the students' lives here gripped people's hearts at that dinner. And in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, one couple couldn't sleep. man turned to his wife at 3 in the morning and said, I haven't been able to fall asleep yet. He said, you know, God has really blessed us. And that college needs money for a new dorm. He said, honey, I, I think we ought to give them a million dollars. And he got up out of bed, he got up out of bed, and his wife out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he dictated while she wrote down about four pages filled with scripture. You would have thought it was from the Apostle Paul. Couldn't wait to come in and meet with us, meet with Dr. MacArthur, and say that God had laid this. That's why, that's why you have Dixon Hall that some of you are living in. Tremendous. Faithfulness of God through faithful people. And then, you remember I said we borrowed that 250000 I didn't know how I was going to repay it? Coming into December, and that's when it was due. And I was getting kind of nervous. That's a quarter of a million. I didn't have any idea where it was coming from. We were praying a lot about that. And one day, the word came to me that there was a series of three apartment buildings that were being sold related to one another. In other words, somebody was buying a new, selling an apartment building, and somebody was buying another one, and just a chain of three, three major apartment buildings that were being sold. Well, on one of those apartment buildings, the last one that would be sold, we, we had in our possession a deed of trust, they call that, or we held a mortgage that had been given as a gift. And that, that was enough money, and that came together right in the first, second week of January. It was enough money for us. Imagine, three property deals that we have nothing to do with, all happening over there in another city, that we receive enough money to pay off that $250,000 loan, plus have $125,000 for the, for the payroll and the expenses in the first two weeks of January. That's the kind of a God we have, okay? He is in full control of all of our lives if we allow him and this institution. And then in the spring of 86, we needed, we needed a vice president for finance. And I, I said to our treasurer on the board, the man who was treasurer at that point, I said, my evening, my home one evening, he's coming for a board meeting, and I said, Jim, we, we need a guy who's a CPA, an MBA who's worked with one of the big eight public accounting firms who has some secular uh, corporate accounting experience and also has some financial management experience, hopefully in a Christian college. And the guy turned to me and he said, I know the exact right guy. He said, but you'll never get him. And so we prayed the next morning. First thing I did was call him back at Cedarville College and 
And his secretary wasn't even there. So that when he picked up the, he picked up the phone and it was the guy I was looking for. And within 10 days he was out here for interviews and within six weeks he was here. And that's John Anglia. Perfect man to be our vice president for finance. Didn't even interview anybody else. God sent him. In the spring of 86, Jeff Zahn came, a man who loved Christ and had had such a tremendous impact in professional baseball, had the gift of administration, and before we knew it, he would be our athletic director. And what a man of God he is in our athletic department. In the spring of 86, enough money was given that we could purchase the 54 acres right behind us here that God had been saving for us at a price that was only $20,000 an acre when land right down the street was selling for $35,000. We got it for almost half price, and God's people gave that we could pay cash for it, $1.1 million. We increased our budget. We still didn't know where we were getting $3 million, but we increased it to $5 million in that summer. And the, the Master Seminary was launched, and the Lord sent Dr. Chuck Smith, who we all feel is the perfect man to head that and to develop a seminary. We broke ground for the two new dorms, and we had our first missions conference. And, and young men and women, many who had never shared their faith before, had an opportunity in the course of that missions conference, either going door to door or working at an inner city church or working down at one of the state universities sharing their faith. Nearly everybody on the campus had an opportunity to see Christ work through them, and it was contagious. Then we, we still didn't have those new offices, and the Lord began to provide not only through Jim Grow for, for the, the carpenter work and the others that would donate their time, but then the Lord brought a decorator into our life, one of those people that decorates the very biggest, you think of the fanciest hotel you have ever seen in your life. And a woman who is really the leading decorator in decorating those kinds of hotels, whether here, whether to Hawaii, wherever, is a believer. And the Lord had kept her in the, in the Los Angeles Baptist family for years, and now she wanted to help us. And so she went to these furniture companies where she's usually buying multi-million dollars worth of furniture. And she said, there's this little Christian college struggling. I want to help them. And she pretty much could tell them how much she'd pay. And anything in our offices, nothing in our offices cost more than 30% of what it normally would cost. And Dr. MacArthur's office, my office, our boardroom, all of that was given totally free. If you're ever up there and you think we have fancy offices, they were either free or they were 30 cents on the dollar. We're thankful to God for his provision. And then we needed somebody to help us master plan. We needed someone... All this property and in this rapidly growing area, and we needed help at City Hall with regional planning. We didn't have anyone on our staff with that kind of capability. And so the Lord had brought into my life a number of years ago a, a young man, and this young man had, had led another young man to Christ in Miami, Florida, about 12 years ago. And so this fellow now, the second fellow, happens to be in the family of the largest builder in California. The largest builder in California. Built, built LAX and, and most of UCLA and USC and big hospitals and building everywhere. And the Lord brought him to us. He came out and he loves Christ and we were walking around and looking at the campus. And, and, and I said to him, you know, we need help. We need, we, need, we need a planning firm. We need somebody to help us plan to expand this campus and to use that acreage that God has given us. And he said, well, how much do you want to pay? And I paused for a moment and I said, I guess the way God is moving at the Master's College, that the right answer is to say, the best man that money can buy. In other words, the most expensive, the best one. I mean, if God has given us this campus and this church, let's trust him to provide the best one. He said, I'll pray about it. He called me in about two weeks and he said, I have the firm for you. 
And it's a firm that has major operations all over the world. I mean, from Hong Kong to, to uh, uh, Nairobi, Kenya, to uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. They've rebuilt most of Saudi Arabia with the, with the billions flowing in the oil. I mean, this is the most prestigious design and planning firm you could find. And so the man came out to meet with me. We walked the campus. We sat down in our boardroom. And I turned to him and I said, Joe, you know, the most we've paid, I was apologizing for the offices as I always do. Uh, and I said, Joe, the most we've paid for anything here is 30 cents on the dollar. He said, well, I was driving out here. That's what I decided. We would charge you 30% of what we'd charge anybody else. Once again, our God had gone before in such a clear way. Only he could have done it. And then the new faculty began, began to come. God sending incredible new faculty to, to come alongside the great faculty that we already had. And, and I won't even mention names because that would take too long and I'd be afraid I'd leave somebody out. But in the summer of 86, in July, the last week of July, we, we, we were expecting about 174, 176 more students than we knew where we were going to put them. We're, we were trying to get the new dorms built, but they were going slower and slower, and you know how that goes. I won't make a forecast anymore on when a building's going to be done. I'll just say probably in this decade sometime, or maybe, <laughs> maybe by the turn of the century. I refuse to be pinned on by that. <clears throat> and so the last week in July, the last week in July, and nowhere to put what we thought would be 174 students, or 176. And I walked into one of our guys' office one day, I think it was Mark Schubert, and there was a guy sitting next to him, and sitting in his office, and Mark said, have you met so-and-so? He goes to Grace Baptist Church, uh, and, and he's building an apartment building about, about a mile from the campus. I said, you don't say. When's it going to be finished? He said, it's going to be finished on August 15th. We needed it, except August 30th, right? September 1st. And I just looked at him, and I said, do you believe in the sovereignty of God? He said, yes, and I sat down, and we negotiated for three days in a row. At the end of three days, this man had been so nurtured by the Spirit of God that he was going to take his multi-million dollar new apartment building and let us put six male students in each apartment. Can you imagine? Who would do that? I'm glad he never said to me, would you put them in your building? Would you let students be in your brand new building when it's, it has its optimum value? You know, that's how we got Walnut Village. It was, it was available for us to take possession August 15th. We didn't start paying rent until the 1st of September. God is so good to us. He is so faithful. Fall of 86, we had 570 enrolled, and now from 40 states and 70 foreign countries, 95 in the seminary. We had a day of service. Remember that? I didn't know how we'd go back and ask those fruit guys to give us fruit baskets again. Once you've done that, and I don't know what we're going to do this year at the moment, but once you've done something like that, then there's an expectation, you know, in the community. And so in the fall of uh, 86, just a year ago, I talked with Russ and I said, Russ, you know, I can't go back and ask those guys to give that fruit again and we don't have any money for that. What are we going to do for the community? And together we decided, well, why don't we have a day? We just shut down the school for a day and have a day of service where we'll go to the community and we'll do whatever to the homes here. We'll wash their windows. We'll weed their flowers. We'll just do whatever we can do to show the love of Christ to them. And so Steve Dixon had helped with that and sent out little mailers and requests came back. And, and we had a great opportunity that day to go out and just give ourselves and love. Some of you painted whole houses. Others of you installed sprinklers and did all kinds of things for the people in this community. And guess what happened right after that? The guy called and he said, how much fruit do you need this year? I 
And so the, to, the, to the people that we had just gone and done work for, we could still bring them fruit on Thanksgiving. That's the kind of a God we have. Incredible. And then he made it possible for us to buy the house that is now our home economic center. Made it possible for us to buy the house that is now our business center. Made it possible for us to buy the house that is where our world prayer center is being developed. And where our fitness center. All of that in the last year. All of that in the last year. And then in the spring of 87... In the spring of 87, you know, our library wasn't as strong as it needed to be. We only had 35,000 volumes in the library. And you know how much library books cost? You know, they cost 25, 30, 40, 50 dollars a piece, many of them. We had no money, but we needed, we wanted to, we want to have a school that, that stands for excellence in every way. We want to be sure that the research volumes are there when you want to do a paper. We want to be sure that you're not limited in your education. We want to give you the best possible education that money can buy. And so the Lord brought into our lives a man who has as a hobby traveling around the country and finding libraries that are going out of business and then buying them up at a real cheap price. And he was networked with everybody around the country so he could find these libraries. And he, and he came to us at one point and he said, look, I, I found a library that had, I think, 80,000 volumes. And we worked with that and that just didn't open up. And that was for a small amount of money. And then we found out why that one didn't open up, because the Lord was saving for us the George Williams College Library, Downers Grove, Illinois, a very top-quality campus that had gone bankrupt. And their library was in perfect condition. And it had just been valued at $2 million. You know how much we paid for it? 185000 Can you believe it? Are you seeing what I mean when I say you're in the midst of a great movement of the Spirit of God? Or at the seminary, when we began the seminary last year, we only had 13,000 volumes in the library there. We now have 65,000 volumes for the seminary library. Now, I hasten to say, and, and, and the, the library books that we bought for the college all aren't in the building yet because the building won't hold it. You know, and we wanted to get an addition to that building built by fall, but the permit didn't come fast enough. And so rather than have a lot of noise going on while you're trying to study, that's why we, we decided, well, we've got to wait. We couldn't just cause such confusion and make it so hard to study by having construction going on right next to the library. So we're going to do that just when school was out immediately in the spring. But So we put that little patio study area for you there in the meantime. But we have, we have a lot of those big storage things that look like railroad cars. They're filled with more books that we're just storing until we have a larger building to be able to put them there. And you know this little sort of gravel street that goes up here that we now have some gates on so you couldn't get out there? But there's a street there, right? And our future plan is to be using that as one of our entrance access ways, but we couldn't get all that done in time for school this year. But we needed that. We very badly needed that. And that was a private street. We didn't own it. 600 feet long and 40 feet wide. And so I had my secretary check to see who owned it back in the spring of this year. And she came back and she gave me the name of a company and an address. And I said, well, that's the same address of the company that got us the planning firm. And she said, I think you're right. And so I called that guy, the biggest builder in California. And I, and I said to him, do you guys have a company named such and such? He said, yes. I said, you don't say. Do you know, <laughs> you, you own a street that we need? <laughs> and he laughed and he said, isn't it amazing the sovereignty of God? 
And he said, let me see what I can do. Send me the material, uh, a little map of that so I know exactly which, which thing you're talking about. And about three weeks later, we get a note back from him saying, prepare a quit claim deed and we will sign it, which was saying we want to give it to you. And so they gave us that. Now consider, remember, there was a guy that I have a friend that led this guy to Christ in Miami 12 years ago. And that friend then came out and introduced me to this guy. And all the while, the Lord had been saving that for us, saving that street for us. Now, if, they, if God hadn't gone before, if it was somebody who was just in it for profit, they, they would have said, boy, you need it. We're really going to make you pay. They could have held us up for it because we're really going to need it. And then in the spring, we needed we need access over on San Fernando Road. We need access. You know where San Fernando Road is? You know, it's... We, we can't keep congesting this little street. For us to grow and expand the way we believe God wants us to, we need access over on that other street, main highway back over the hill. And we've been negotiating for a piece of property over there for about nine months. But we didn't have any money for it. The Lord brought to us in May, one week after he got saved, a man who gave us a half a million dollars, one week after he became a Christian. We took that half a million dollars, and two weeks ago, be two weeks this Friday, we were able to close that deal, putting that 500000 down. We now have some payments over the next two years. But we now have a provision for an entrance on San Fernando Road. And San Fernando Road, this time next year, will be four lanes all the way from the freeway into where our entrance would be with turn lanes in the middle in God's timing. They're going to do that by this time next year. Isn't that incredible? I don't know what else to say except our God is so wonderful. And I wanted you to be aware of some of this, these things that he's doing. Over this summer, 12 outstanding new faculty that the Lord has sent to us. And almost without exception, we haven't recruited anybody. We haven't put ads in that say we need this or we need that and then have 50 people apply and select one. Instead, the Lord just sends the right person over and over again. Over and over. Maybe he thinks we don't know how to select people. Maybe that's it. Right? <laughs> Now we have Susan Doobie working in personnel, so maybe now we'll make us work since we have a personnel person, Susan. I think you're here somewhere. And then our faculty now has nearly, nearly 50% of our faculty have their doctorate, and several others are nearing completion of their doctorates. That stacks up against just about any school in the country. The Lord has sent us additional new coaches, men that that could have been coaching professionally or could be coaching at the top universities in our land. And the Lord has brought them here to the Master's College. The same, I believe, would probably apply to Becky White as well as to the men. But God has brought them here because he has more important plans for this college. We increased our budget. So we increased it from two to three, not knowing where the three was coming from. We increased it from three to five, not knowing where the, the five was coming from. And so this last summer, we decided God was, we want to give God another opportunity. So we increased it from five to seven. So we have a $7 million budget each year now. If you pay about 8000 to come here to school, we have to trust God to provide about another 3000 on top of that because it costs us about 11000 for each one of you to be here for a year. You probably didn't know that. So be praying that God will provide, will continue to raise up people to give that money so that we can provide that education. All the, these improvements that you've seen, the, the older dorms being totally renovated, 
improvements. We remodeled about nearly 50 faculty offices this summer. That's with new ceilings, new walls, new carpet, new furniture, the whole deal. And that's all paid for. God has provided for all of that. And the buildings are paid for. And now just recently, of course, our enrollment increased in the fall of 87 to 680. And we have 105 in the seminary. And so if you add that together, we've grown from 285 to 785 in 28 months. That's why they call us the fastest growing Christian college in America. Dr. Stead was just telling us in our prayer meeting this morning that he was at a meeting that he goes to with the deans of all the Christian colleges in Southern California. We just grew 19% this fall. The one closest to, it, to us in growth grew 3%. To whom much is given, much is required. Do you know why God's doing all this? He's doing it for you. For each one of you personally. He's not doing it for me or the faculty or the staff. He's giving us the privilege of being a part of what he wants to do for you, to prepare it, to, to serve him with excellence in a field that he has in mind for you that will maximize your gifts and abilities to bring glory to him and to advance his kingdom. We had five decisions for Christ, as you're aware here. Five of you who had thought you were Christians already this year have yielded to the Lordship, to the Savior, the Lord Jesus we began a concept called ministry teams and how excited I am about that. And, and the sign-ups on that first evening were 260 of you that, that want to really give and minister in the local churches in this area. And that is fantastic. I, I look forward to the day when that's nearly 100% ministry in the churches. In the athletic area, to see how our teams are doing, it's so much fun now to read the paper and see we've won again. Did you notice that? Isn't that great? Our winning isn't everything, but it's... Sure is more fun than losing, have you noticed? <laughs> I, uh, to watch the soccer team or the volleyball team or, or the cross country and see them all performing at a level of excellence. See, that's what we want to do in every facet, to do our best as unto the Lord and make that a pattern of our life for whatever he's calling us. So we've grown from 285 to nearly, nearly 828 months. Our faculty, our full-time faculty in that short period of time, of just a little over two years, has grown from 17 to 44, including the seminary. And our campus has grown from 43 acres to 110 acres. Amazing. And our budget has grown from 2 million to 7 million. And if you want a real prayer request, Please be praying for our financial needs in these days. We had budgeted for 750 students, and we thought that's how many would come, but only 680, which is wonderful. But we need revenue that would represent 750. So we need about 600,000 more than we thought we would need. Join our management team and our faculty and staff in praying that God would provide for those needs. And that he would provide us, as we work in the master planning, that's going to take somewhere between 80 and 100 million dollars for the new buildings and the new athletic complex and all that that will occur back over the hill. You think our God can do that? You don't think he can? If you don't, I thought you would say yes in unison. He can do it. Well, I wanted to share this with you this morning because he's doing it all for you. Seize every opportunity that you can to meet 
with faculty and administrators and staff on a personal basis. Get to know them. I wanted some of you to come and make appointments to see me. I'd like many more of you to do that. Please do that. I want to get to know you so that I could pray more effectively and so that I could encourage you more appropriately. Let's pray together.